My wife thinks I'm working. It's the classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. I certainly hope so, too. Too many free radicals. That's your problem. Free radicals? Yeah, they're toxins that destroy the body and the brain. Caused by eating too much red meat and white bread. Too many dry martinis. Then I shall cut out the white bread. I need a urine sample. If you could fill the speaker for me. From here? I was captured by the enemy and gave only my name, rank, and serial number in spite of being subjected to the most fiendish torture ever devised by man. The water torture. A drop of water on the forehead every minute for 300 gallons. 300 gallons, Mr. Brown, would you believe it? It's pretty hard to believe. Would you believe a quart? Atomic batteries to power. I'd like to say something. There's no reason why you shouldn't have complete confidence in your chances to come out of this thing alive in one piece. From coast to coast, from border to border, from one end to the other and all points in between, the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast is on. Yes! That's awesome! We crank up and break down the great guitar-driven rock of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And you are invited to come along. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. And now, your host, Jeremy Lunnan. Yeah, we don't know anything about that fellow there. Who is he? Where's he coming from? It's time for the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. It's time. It's time. All right, welcome to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. I'm Jeremy how are you? Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Wanted to uh, get together and talk about a few things today. Really, the, the thing I've been thinking about over the last couple weeks is blues guitarists. Now, I've had a few requests, people reaching out in email, uh, that sort of thing, uh, wanting to do an episode on blues guitarists. And I'm a big blues fan. We will definitely do that. There are two blues players in particular that I want to talk about. I, I say blues players. I'm going to call them blues rock players. They're not blues players in the traditional sense of, you know, Lead Belly or John Hooker or Muddy Waters or something like that. We will have an episode about the, the blues greats. These are, these are blues rock greats that I want to talk about. Before we get to that, uh, there are some things in the news that I want to cover that have been uh, in the headlines a lot uh, over the last uh, few days or even a couple weeks. First and foremost, some sad news. The passing of Christine McVie on November 30th. Christine McVie, of course, uh, a member of Fleetwood Mac. She was an, an interesting figure in Fleetwood Mac. You know, she had been a part of the, the British scene for a while, even before... She was a member of Fleetwood Mac, but she actually joined Fleetwood Mac when they were still the blues band Fleetwood Mac. So she predated the Fleetwood Mac lineup that went on to have phenomenal success in the mid-70s. So she was in the group before Lindsey Buckingham and, Chris, and uh, Stevie Nicks came in in 1975. 
So, you know, remember the the lineup with Bob Welch and Fleetwood Mac. We could do a whole episode on Fleetwood Mac. Here's one thing that most people don't understand. The Fleetwood Mac that 90% of the public is familiar with that won Grammys in the 70s, it had the massive Rumors album and all the success they had. That 1975 album called Fleetwood Mac was their 13th album. So there's a whole nother history of Fleetwood Mac that included, of course, John McVie and Mick Fleetwood. They were in the original Fleetwood Mac with Peter Green, and they were a blues band. Christine McVie was, she wasn't in the way, way, way back, but she came in in the early 70s before the big success that happened. And it's impressive if you look at the songs that Christine McVie wrote or sang on. We always think of Stevie Nicks, right? But to be honest, I I would say that Christine McVie had a bigger uh, thumbprint on Fleetwood Mac than Stevie Nicks had. In, in my opinion, but just, uh, you make love and fun. Uh, I'm just thinking everywhere. I'm just thinking of all the, the Christine McVie songs that come to the top of my mind. Uh, don't stop. She was a, a not only a great singer and songwriter, but a, a great pianist and keyboardist. Just a very talented lady. She was born on July 12th, 1943. She was 79 at the time of her passing on November 30th, after a short illness, they have not revealed what the cause of death was other than it it was a short illness. But Christine McVie had a huge contribution to the success of Fleetwood Mac and also solo stuff. She had a few solo albums and, and had a few solo hits, but she just, to me, was always very impressive. And how can I say this? seemed like the adult in the band, (laughs) you know, and all the drama that happened in Fleetwood Mac between, you know, Lindsay and Stevie and all the various things. There were there were divorces. And, you know, imagine what it would be like being in the band where they're couples and, and you get divorced and break up and you're still recording albums together and all of this. Well, she always, to me, seemed like the adult in the room. Obviously, a very talented lady, and uh, she will be she will be missed. So, our condolences to Christine McVie and her family, and and the Fleetwood Mac family. Another thing I want to talk about, and then, guys, this is just getting embarrassing at this point. You know, back in the good old days, before social media, you know, the only time you heard from bands. <laughs> would be you know when they were on tour right they let they they put out a new album they would have publicists that would put out press releases and all of that well social media for for good or ill both it's a little bit of both right because of social media now we hear way more than we want to hear (laughs) about our favorite bands and unfortunately we realize that our favorite bands can be, uh, they're real people. They're normal people. We're not just getting the airbrushed PR story that, that we used to get. Okay. We, we see everything, warts and all from our favorite bands, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And perhaps over recent years, 
no band is a better example of this than Journey. And I'm a huge Journey fan. Love Neil Sean. Love Steve Perry. Love Jonathan Cain. Okay, I like Journey. I'm a Journey fan. We've talked about Journey a lot. Now, the latest legal wranglings that we're hearing about from Journey is Neil Sean has filed a lawsuit against Jonathan Cain. And remember, this comes on the heels of a couple lawsuits that they've been involved with, with Steve Perry, also with Ross Valerie and Steve Smith. So all of this stuff has been going on. And there's been this facade, perhaps, that the the remaining journey, which is actually Neil and Jonathan, we're, we're still kind of a team. Well, now that's even breaking down because Neil Sean is filing a lawsuit against Jonathan Kane. And this is over an American Express card that apparently Neil uh, wants access to the records and access to use the car. I don't know. I don't know all the details, but my original point was this. In the good old days, we didn't see all this behind-the-scenes crap. Now, because of social media, many artists, and to be honest, again, I'm a huge Neil Sean fan, but he seems to be a guy that airs his dirty laundry on social media on a regular basis, right? Whether whether you think that's good or not, that's what he does. So I think many of us think, dude, why do you talk about this on social media? Why Why do you want to bring this all up? Well, Jonathan Kane has responded to the lawsuit and basically says, hey, Neil has out of control spending. We can't give him access to the American Express card because he will spend all the money. Right. And so there's all this stuff going back and forth. This these legal wranglings that most fans don't want to hear about. And yet it's all airing in front of us on social media and to be honest it's it's disappointing and it's embarrassing what does this mean for the future journey they're talking about a 2023 tour journey by the way still great to see live they're a great band they're coming to my town in 2023 and i'm planning to go see them but now i'm worried will they even exist i'm sure they will will jonathan kane be there i don't know and the reality is Greg Raleigh was great. Greg Raleigh was the keyboard player before Jonathan Kane, but Journey's massive success, I'm not saying Jonathan Kane's the only reason, but they definitely had a massive jump in success after Jonathan came on board. That Escape album, which was the first album with Jonathan Kane. You know, he's a songwriter. He wrote, a, you know, Don't Stop Believing, Faithfully. These are all things that Jonathan Kane had a major role in. For better or worse, some people, some people like the older journey that was more hard rock, but the successful journey has been the more poppy, even ballady stuff, much of which Jonathan Kane is responsible for. And it has been Sean and Jonathan Kane that have kept Journey going. So it makes me sad if Jonathan Kane maybe is no longer part of that picture. I don't know what it's going to look like. 
but it is a shame that that Neil decided let's let's air this all publicly for everyone to see in social media and it's sad that Jonathan Kane is responding via social media all, although he probably feels like he doesn't have a choice because Neil brought it up via social media what are you supposed to do anyways it's a big fat mess and that's just part of this era we live in of social media is you see this and it's not just journey and we see lots of bands that do this same thing where they air their dirty laundry in public and it causes fans to kind of choose a side and that's not a good thing we all just want to enjoy the music so it is what it is uh we'll see how this plays out the actual trial date is set for sometime in march where i i don't understand all of these ramifications but but this is a beginning to be a regular thing in the journey camp and who knows what 2023 will look like in terms of who's in the band. It is interesting that Neil recently posted a photo with him and Greg Raleigh and Neil is teasing the fact, Hey, you know, what would it look, what would it be like if we had Greg tour with journey? And I don't know if that means without Jonathan Kane. I don't know. I, I, I read it as he published that to kind of poke Jonathan Kane in the eyes. Well, you know, look, we could just have Greg Raleigh come back. So, Yet to be seen how this all plays out, but I'm sure it will play out in social media for all of us to see. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Hey, just a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube. And of course, we would love for you to be a supporter on Patreon. Check us out on Patreon. You can be a supporter for as little as $3 a month if that's something that you can do. When we come back, I want to talk about two phenomenal blues rock guitarists that, for my money, don't get near the recognition or respect that they should. That's all coming up right here on the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. The basement can be a lonely place. Hello? Yet, at the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast, the basement is all that Jeremy and John have. Their wives don't want them geeking out on classic rock in the living room. Can you blame them? But you can help. For as little as $3 a month, you can become a supporter on Patreon. Join today and end the cycle. Visit patreon.com slash classic guitar rock they'll still be in the basement but at least it's not your basement hello is anyone in here mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
The podcast Jeremy's mom listens to. She's probably the only one. The Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. I'm Jeremy. I want to talk about a couple blues guitarists, uh, blues rock guitarists. And I, I make that distinction because in my mind there there are two schools right there are the blues guitarists or blues artists not all of them guitarists that are in the traditional blues vein right african-american we've got john lee hooker we've got howlin wolf we've got bb king even though bb king really swung more into the pop side of things he really had a lot of uh fairly significant mainstream success more so than the other traditional you know blues artists they are blues but then we have this new generation of mostly white guys that built on or were were heavily influenced from the traditional blues artists the rolling stones fall into that camp now in the in the eighties, and and really you can attribute a lot of this to to uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Stevie Ray Vaughan came seemingly from out of nowhere. Of course, he didn't come from out of nowhere, and 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 we'll get into this in a minute. But he had substantial mainstream success, and Stevie Ray Vaughan's success then spurred on uh, a more mainstream success of blues-oriented rock success. You even saw people like Gary Moore, who kind of went down the blues track. And it's funny to me that a lot of folks were first introduced to Gary Moore as a blues artist, which I, I kind of laugh because I had been listening to Gary Moore for years as a rock player, phenomenal rock artist. And to be honest, I thought he was much, uh, a much more unique voice playing rock than playing the blues. Not that he's a bad blues player at all. He's a phenomenal blues player. But I thought he distinguished himself more as a rock player than a blues player. That's my personal opinion. But then you saw guys like Johnny Lang, Kenny Wayne Shepard, in the 80s, early 90s, there was this big uptick of blues rock guitarists and, and blues type music in general. The Black Crows, right? I mean, a lot, a lot of bands could kind of be lumped into that blues rock category. However, there are two blues rock artists in particular. Again, drawing influence from the original blues artists, but rocking it up that, that were already here beginning in the, the late sixties, the, the seventies into the eighties. They were here the whole time before Stevie Ray Vaughan. And one of these gentlemen in particular was a huge influence on Stevie Ray Vaughan. In fact, he even had band members that would later play with Stevie Ray Vaughan. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about Johnny Winter. Johnny Winter, I 
I would submit to you that Johnny Winter was Stevie Ray Vaughan before Stevie Ray Vaughan was Stevie Ray Vaughan, right? You listen to Johnny Winter's playing. Man, there, and I'm not saying Stevie Ray stole, but I'm saying Stevie Ray was definitely influenced by Johnny Winter. And so you want to have fun? Go back on YouTube and, and just go down the Johnny Winter rabbit hole. You will find some phenomenal videos, phenomenal playing of Johnny Winter. Johnny was born in Beaumont, Texas in 1947. You might know of his brother, Edgar Winter, his younger brother, two years younger. Uh, Edgar Winter, famous for Frankenstein. Edgar Winter's White Trash. They had uh, quite a bit of success in the 70s. Johnny Winter was what played a lot with Edgar, obviously. But Johnny Winter, talk about fiery playing. Man, the guy just, for my mind, one of the greatest blues rock guitarists ever. And I think should have been much bigger than he ultimately was. And he was successful. Don't get me wrong. In the early 70s, he was quite successful. His first album was called The Progressive Blues Experiment. Came out in 1968. Featured on bass, uh, someone who would eventually play with Stevie Ray Vaughan, Tommy Shannon. And it's cool to go back and watch those old, old videos because you'll recognize Tommy Shannon in them. Uh, but The Progressive Blues Experiment had a modicum of success, of success. But he got his biggest break at the end of 1968 when uh, he was able to play with uh, Mike Bloomfield. He got up and jammed with Mike Bloomfield at a concert, and some Columbia execs were there and said, who is this guy? We got to sign this guy. And in fact, it was only a few days later that Johnny Winter was reportedly given the largest advance in the recording industry at the time. He got an advance of $600,000 to record an album for, for Columbia, and that came out in 1969. Later on, he there was a band, called, uh, a group called Johnny Winter And, which basically was the McCoys. Remember the McCoys? Hang on, Sloopy. So Johnny picks up Rick Derringer and some other members of the McCoys. The band was, the album was originally going to be Johnny Winter and the McCoys, but it just became Johnny Winter And. And that was the first time that we heard uh, rock and roll hoochie coo. That was a song written by Rick Derringer. So it was, it was performed by Johnny Winter and, and then it also appeared on later albums and various versions. The version that we normally hear on classic rock radio is R Rick Derringer rock and roll hoochie coo, but still a staple in Johnny Winter's or, or was a staple in Johnny Winter's set up until the time he passed away. But anyways, Johnny Winter, hard to explain his playing. Uh, high intensity, high energy. He plays fast. It's up-tempo. He's got his singing voice is very uh, unique. Uh, again, just a lot of energy and fun to watch. Now, what's unique about Johnny and his brother, Edgar? Both, they're both, they both have albinism. They're both albinos, which is unique. Can you think of any other albinos in the music industry? <laughs> but they they both 
never stopped performing. In fact, Edgar Winter to this day still active performing. One of the sad things, well, maybe it's not sad. Maybe, maybe it's a good thing, depending on your, your viewpoint. Johnny never stopped performing. And, uh, there are footage from him. He died in 2014. There's footage of him from 2012 still performing live. And part of me is like, Johnny, wow, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be playing anymore because he looks really unhealthy. He looks really frail. He has to sit down. Uh, he just kind of has this vacant look on his face. Uh, he's got a band, a supporting band that basically has to walk him out, sit him down. And you really are kind of wondering how with it Johnny was there at the end. He could still play, but not like he used to play. Right. And so it's kind of one of these things where you it's a common trope. Right. We talk about it all, all the time when our when our classic rock idols are starting to get really, really old and we start to think, you know, maybe it's time to retire. <laughs> well, you definitely feel that way watching Johnny Winter uh, there at the end. But if you can catch him from the 70s and the 80s he's man great i mean i used to just love to sit and listen to his albums and just it's like it's like a glossary of awesome blues licks you know, oh I, i'm gonna learn that lick you know it's one right after another and definitely he made an imprint he made an impression on Stevie Ray Vaughan and probably any other blues rock player. You got to go check out Johnny Winter. Now, the other guitarist I want to talk about, he died much too young, and that is Rory Gallagher. Rory Gallagher actually just uh, about two years younger than Johnny Winter. He was born in 1948. He passed away in 19... 19- 95 and you know even into the 70s and 80s you could see rory gallagher he opened for rush on at least one tour that i'm aware of but he's another guy you need to go down the rory gallagher rabbit hole go on youtube and watch some of his live performances he's again a very charismatic very magnetic personality obviously an awesome player a great singer traditionally playing a strat but sometimes you'll see him playing other other guitars but it's usually a stratocaster but he's just a really good guitar player uh he was in a band called taste in the late 60s and then recorded solo albums throughout the 70s and 80s he sold over 30 million copies worldwide his you know he was putting less and less stuff out in the 80s obviously the music industry was changing a little bit at, at the time that had something to do with it but he also had uh health problems he received a liver transplant in 1995 but then he died later from complications related to that at the age of 47 and 47 i'm 55 47 seems so young 
look at your favorite artists today, chances are they're well over 47 and they're still put out great music. Who knows what we might have seen from Rory Gallagher had he not passed so young. He was from Ireland. And, you know, when you think about artists from Ireland, there, there aren't there aren't a lot, but there are some really good ones. Phil Linett of Thin Lizzy, Van Morrison. Uh, so, so there have been some, some great ones. And in fact, Rory was even talked about to replace Mick Taylor in the Rolling Stones. Of course, they wound up bringing Ronnie Woods in. Ronnie Woods is, was a great fit, but Rory Gallagher was one of the names floated for the replacement of Mick Taylor. There are several uh, TV appearances that you can find. Most of these you can find on YouTube. Beat Club in Bremen, uh, in Germany. The Old Grey Whistle Test. You know, there are a lot of these old broadcasts that you can find. And I even found live performances up into the early 90s. Unlike the Johnny Winter pieces where you can obviously obviously see a decline as Johnny gets older. Rory, you can tell he's getting older, right? You can tell, obviously, when you're in your early 40s, you look different than you did in your early 20s. So you can tell that he's getting older, but you never see the decline in his playing and things like you do with some other artists as, as they age on stage before your eyes, right? So it is pretty cool to go back and whatever you find of Rory Gallagher on YouTube, it's going to be good. Again, great playing, great singing, very charismatic, a lot of energy. And he too was very inspirational to a lot of guitarists, particularly European guitarists. You know, I've heard a lot of the, the guys from Europe will cite Rory as a major influence, you know, whether it's Vivian Campbell or guys from Iron Maiden or whatever. But he definitely made a mark on other guitarists, particularly in Europe. So those two artists, Johnny Winter, Rory Gallagher, your homework assignment, if you haven't already done it, spend a little time digging into these two guys. Go on YouTube, watch some live performances, go on to Spotify and listen to some of their albums. Better yet, go out and buy some of their music and, and dig into it. I think you'll see, especially with Johnny Winter, I think you'll see, okay, you're right that Johnny Winter was Stevie Ray before Stevie Ray was Stevie Ray. So check that out. Johnny Winter and Rory Gallagher, you won't be sorry. And we will do a full-on blues episode where we dig into some of the classic blues artists. It's important to go back to the roots and and see how that all played into the, the development of classic rock as we know it. So thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time right here on the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Oh, sweetie! Please like, subscribe, and share. You can email us at classicguitarrock at mail.com. We're not ordinary people. <laughs> We're morons. We'll see you for the next episode of the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast.